My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He's all the way on the other side of the pond and is known as Big Fucking Joe. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am doing quite well. Uh, we've both started off the day with a, well, I was going to say a bright and early. It's 4 p.m. for me, but we've uh, cracked a beer and we're going to have a nice uh, casual conversation. Yeah, we've got a few brewskis on the go. <laughs> Nine o'clock and I've got a Bud Light straight out of bed, straight on the Bud. Exactly. Ready ready to, to work out and go to work or whatever you had planned for the day. <laughs> I'll sober up for a little bit, then I'll go to the gym. I don't know if Bud Light and pre-workout works well together, but... Mm. We'll find out. Mm, well, yeah, you're going to know pretty soon, so we'll see how that I, I feel it may lead to a code brown, and I may need to go to the restroom pretty quickly. We'll find out. <laughs> well, as long as you're not working out in your ring gear, that's probably okay. Oh, mate, it's the worst wrestling in track. Like, I've booked myself into a corner there because there's so many, you know, moves that I have to be careful with. You know, I don't want to ruin the gimmick of Big Joe being mediocre Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I always think I always think of that Al Snow story with the egg in the bird's nest. You know, from that Foley Foley is good book. Uh, I mean, it's been the, I I read it, but book. I can't remember it now. Oh, there's basically I think some I think Bob Harley or someone lifts someone up for a suplex. Yeah. and pulls their tights aside. Oh. and like obviously where they have not manscaped. Yeah, it looks like an egg in a bird's nest, and that's my biggest fear. Like you know, when you get cardio cardio dick, and uh, it it goes. It's not as full full stature. That's <laughs> and the worst the gi- thing about wrestling in little pants. Just like that, the gimmick is gone. Well, it could be, depending on the weather and, you know, if I've had pre-workout or, you know, what I've been up to that day. <laughs> oh, man. The, um, uh, hear that, Manscaped? If you, you want to advertise on the show, I'm clearly speaking to your public here. <laughs> so that's... We're begging. We're begging. Exactly. Yeah. It's blue tube. Joe, Joe's been... blue tube. <laughs> Give me half a Bluetooth and an elastic band and we're good. And and Manscaped and then Joe's good to go. So hear that? Uh, We need two sponsorship stats. So so man, I'm so stoked to hear from you. I first came across your stuff when Casanova uh, came over to Rise like to do the GOD tournament with you. I remember that popping up and that was kind of like the first time it came across my door. Um what was that, that like for you? Because that was like a pretty cool tournament, right? And he came straight in, first show in the UK, and it looked like a banging night. I was re-watching it today, and it's like packed, and I'm like, oh, I remember when I could just like 
go to venues and party. That was awesome. Yeah, it was cool because like with Rise, they're easily the most like punk sort of promotion mm-hmm. in Europe and the fact that the, the crowd uh, around the ring really like adds to the atmosphere. Yeah. And then uh, obviously in England, like death matches aren't that common, yeah. really. It's not more and more like uh, they used to like happen, but they were very periodic. But now like we're getting them, you know, maybe once every month or every every couple of months. Um, so that was a good, that was a, like kind of the first real deathmatch tournament, I'd say, in England since probably like even Gorefest. We had one with uh, Ian Rotten and Mickey Knuckles. Mm, okay. But even then they weren't allowed to use light tubes. They, they had to use like the light bulbs. Oh. So I'd say this was the, yeah, yeah, this was years and years ago. <laughs> yeah, wow. But um, I, I would say uh, Games of Death was probably the first ever real deathmatch tournament in England. There was another promotion that I also wrestled for that did one, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't really a deathmatch tournament. It was pretty pretty like pots and pans and pretty tame really, apart from the main event. So yeah, right, it was right. cool to get Cass over. Yeah, yeah. Well, the games yeah. of death looked really legit from what I could see, and it must have been pretty crazy for you not only to be wrestling somebody you know uh, as well known as Cass, you know American import and stuff, but also then in like the first UK tournament that you knew of and and headlining it like as champion. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. And um, Cass, like we've had a history. I think I met him at the gathering of the Juggalos. Mm-hmm. So we've had a bit of a history, like back and forth matches. So um, it was good. It was, it was good. Like on that night, because he, he obviously won, mm-hmm. um, the crowd response was mental. Someone literally took one of his, his garden weasel yeah. and threw it off a bridge, kind of reminiscent to the rock in <laughs> Stone Cold. Like a fan literally stole it and- drunkenly on the way home took a video of them throwing the weasel off the bridge, mad that Cass had won. So it's it quite an entertaining night. Was was Cass mad about it, or did he see the hilarity in it and was just like, no, no because, yeah, he kind of, I think he kind of popped for it. Plus, he didn't actually buy the weasel because he's not going to carry that from America to yeah, the yeah. UK. So I, th- I think the poor fan that uh, paid for the weasel was probably a bit pissed off. Right. But so a fan bought a story, him a weasel, so. and then another fan stole the weasel <laughs> and threw it off a bridge. Yeah, typical rise like fans, rowdy. Yeah. See, this sounds like my kind of show. Like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm into for sure. Oh, it's, it's they're so good. Like, just like people, just it's like the closest outlaw sort of punk mentality sort of show. It's not being fully taken over by all the like you know kind of nerdier wrestling fans that just want to stay safe. It's more when you go to a rise show, it is kind of dangerous. Mm. But I, I kind of like that sort of. A law, you know. Yeah, feeling like an underground metal show or hardcore show or something like that, where it's just yeah, like, I, yeah. I can't like because I work at like punk venues and stuff. I hate like when fans feel entitled to feel safe. I feel like we're blessed to live in the Western world. You know, <laughs> we we take safety for granted. Like life isn't safe, man. Like go yeah. to the show, you know, have your wearable fall. You know, there, there will be glass and people jumping about, but fuck it, have a good time, just stay safe. Exactly. It's awesome to be in the and it, Punch somebody in the face. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, no one forced you to leave the house. And if you're worried, go stand at the back or don't come. Yeah. Simple as. Exactly right. You know. It's been a while since I've been, like, in a pit, obviously, with everything that's gone on. But the the last time I, were, I was in a pit, it was, oh, jeez. It was a couple of years ago now, but it was at this venue near my house and this hardcore 
punk band named Trophy Eyes were playing. And we're in the pit for that. And I was like, oh, yeah, this week they kind of have some softer stuff and also some heavy stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, have, getting close and have a bit of a thing. But it got out of control so fast. People headwalking and stuff. I was just pulling kids out of the sky and throwing them on the ground and kicking them and punching people and like, come out of it. I was missing my glasses. I was bleeding from my mouth. I'm like, that's the best fun I've had in ages. <laughs> I think when you get to like our age, like I've got about three songs in me. That's all I can do. Yeah, yeah. That was about the three up. song mark that I got out of there. And then I had to wait for the whole like crowd to clear out so I could go find what was left of my glasses. <laughs> that would be. Be completely oh, fucked up. To their credit, though, they were well built. They're not the ones I'm wearing now, but I still actually have them. Like, just the arm was broken up, and they were scratched to hell. I had to like replace the lenses, but besides that, still good from the bottom of a mosh pit. So that's pretty. You should, awesome. you should have sellotaped them together. I did. I, I had like, look. well, it was yeah. only this part that was broken, like the left side. So I did have that like sellotaped on the thing. So it wasn't a full Harry Potter scenario. It was like uh, on the, the right. left arm. But, uh, you know, I just kept them going for ages. I had to replace the lenses because they were literally so scratched I couldn't see through them. But, uh, yeah, I just kept them going for ages like until they, were, they uh, were even sellotape couldn't hold them together. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Another rad mosh pit I was in one time were when uh, Biohazard came here. And that's the only pit I've oh, ever yeah. seen a man just get, like, knocked unconscious in front of me. <laughs> that was that was pretty savage. He was, uh, I don't know, mouthing off at some group of guys and then another friend came through out of nowhere, this giant bull bikey guy, and just punched him in the side of the head and then he was asleep and his friends carried him away and then everybody continued to enjoy the band. Well, you act like a dickhead, you get treated like one. Well, so. he was acting like a dickhead, so yeah, he got his just desserts, I guess. But anyway, we're not here to talk about people getting knocked out in mosh pits. Uh, we're here to talk about wrestling. So um, if we rewind all the way back, bro, what's uh, what's some of your first memories with uh professional wrestling any particular faces stand out like when you think about as a as a kid or a young man or whatever being exposed to the business yeah i was always like a power and paint guy so i was into like sting ultimate warrior anyone who had face paint i was a massive mark for same um yeah yeah tassels and paint was was the way to get you know a five-year-old little joe into wrestling um and it just was a slippery slope from there Mm -hmm. Obviously, you fall down the rabbit hole, and as you get older, found a magazine called Power Slam, which was kind of used all the insider terms and had like a tape trading directory in the back. Mm-hmm. And then it was a slippery slope from Sting to Cactus Jack, Onita, and stuff like that. And then fully down the rabbit hole of like CZW was like really popping off when I was like 13, 14, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was probably my. Uh, foray into from like normal wrestling into deathmatch wrestling. It's always been something I've been into. You know, I still remember that the pictures of Foley in the Raw magazine from King of the Deathmatch. You know, at the time the internet wasn't really as prevalent, so seeing those sort of things kind of maybe the person I am today, especially wrestling wise. Anyway, yeah, I mean those images are pretty shocking at first, and like as a young dude, you'd be like, "What the hell is going on here?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still I, lo- I love all sorts of wrestling. Like, when I was a kid, you would have, like, a Skybox, and you could get, like, the Spanish channels and German channels, and you'd find, like, Lucha yeah. on at, like, 2 in the afternoon on Saturday. Like, I just there's just something about wrestling. I'd, like, the minute I seen it, I fell in love, and I love it just as much now as I did back then. Like, yeah. my whole life is consumed by it. Like, yeah. Even working my shitty job, all the podcasts I listen to are wrestling you know, no self-development. It's just all fucking Jim Cornette and whatever, you know. 
just love it. That's that's awesome, man. Um, did you beer number two? Beer by number the way. two. Oh, hang on, what I need you? to I need to drink up. Jesus. Beer number two, man. I'm wasting my time. I'm doing too much talking. Let's go. To this next guy here. Get some more of those free beers down, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm drinking two goddamn beers at the same time. <laughs> you need to get sponsored by Pat's Blue Ribbon as well. Well, they're not really they're even a thing here. They are in Australia, but they're not a big beer in Australia. Like they're like well, a trendy they import. They sponsor your podcast. Oh, maybe they will. PBR. I mean, two million views, uh, you know, a week. They'd be silly not to advertise with you. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if that's how many I get, but sure, but PBR, if you're listening, that's how many I get. You should sponsor me and send me some free beer. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Well, so that's exactly right. With two million. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting go. so big now, I don't even measure the numbers. Why would I get caught up in that? <laughs> let's, no, let's not get worried I'm, about the I'm trivial. i a million a week. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what I heard too. So we'll see, we'll see how that plans out. But uh, I mean, PBR are down with death matches now, so you never know. And I seem to interview it's a lot of different. such a cool marketing campaign. So like, funny. They are pretty on point. Yeah. Mm. With the, the stuff they did with, like, the will sponsor Nick Gage and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. someone's definitely been given, like, free reign in their, in their media department. I was going to say, there must just be one guy in the media department that's about death matches and is like, just let me run with this, guys, and watch what happens kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, some, like, 20-year-old intern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good on him. Like, and then, uh, then it. like Nick Gage, like just calling him pussies and shit. And what was he saying? He he was talking about another beer. I don't know. He's talking about natty light. Yeah, natty ice or whatever. I I had one in New York. Yeah. What was it like? Any good? <laughs> I think it's just like a basic bitch beer. I think it's uh, uh like your generic sort of the cheapest one you can get. Yeah, just like I a, had to try it, like a I Miller love. or a Bud or whatever. Probably below that, you know. There's below that. I think I, I just there is. Yeah, it tastes like bong water, carbonated bong water. With an advertising campaign like that, how could they go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> that they might actually, if they went with that, they'd probably actually get more interest. If they were just like, hey, it's kind of like carbonated bong water, but at least it's not just water, and people would be like, sweet, sign me up. Yeah, we've got we've got three percent alcohol in here as well. <laughs> Let's go. Um, okay, so so you're a young Joe. You're watching dudes bleeding out. You're, you're devouring anything wrestling. For you in the UK, how do you then make a transition into training for wrestling? Because for me in Australia, it was too far away to ever even consider it. It was like, oh, well, I guess I need to move to America if I would ever do something like that. In the UK, are, th- are there schools that are a little bit more prevalent? Like how did you come across that, man? Yeah, I mean, I live in Norwich, and that's home of you know uh, the Knight family, which mm-hmm. is pa- you know Paige from the Dury mm-hmm. uh, family. They're they're like they're really well known in England, mm-hmm. and um, I always knew when I was eighteen I was gonna do whatever, lose a load of weight because I was just a fat kid, lose the weight and find a wrestling school, and then obviously went on Google and found a wrestling school relatively close to me. I obviously couldn't drive uh, the Pitbull Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So I found that, and then on my 18th birthday, decided, right, I'm just going to go there. It was like four hours on the train yeah. to go each way. Uh-huh. But um, I remember I went there the first training session, I found it, and it was shut. <laughs> so, oh, man. Annoyingly. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? So I'd have to travel like four hours each way, best case scenario, to, tra- to train for an hour. Yeah. 
but um, I'd do that once a week. So wow. it wasn't too hard, really. Yeah. But that, that, that's still a pretty you know. big commitment to make. You know, you're a, you're a young dude, you want to do this. I assume you're probably not raking in heaps of money. And then you're like, you know, doing that pretty big commute to go and train in something that, like, you don't know if you're going to succeed in. You were obviously, like, you know, serious about wanting to try and do it. Yeah, I still remember, like, that first flip bump when you, you know, you did front flip mm-hmm. and you back and take the back bump. And I remember being so nervous and I thought if I hate this it's tough shit because all I ever want to do is wrestling so it's like a necessary evil no matter how much that bump sucks or how shit I am it's tough because I'm confined by the fact I need to do something in pro wrestling yeah well, so it's never really an option yeah there was no you know, plan B like, you were like even if I hate this I'm still doing it anyway so <laughs> here we go yeah it's tough shit I've made my bed I've got a lie in it now so yeah, yeah. you know nothing in life's easy so it is what it is like Maybe if I was if I really hated it that much, I'd take less bumps. But you know, just so just the big man, things. just choke slams, just big legs. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when it, I do the sunset flip, I never take the bump. I just yeah. I just stand there and just like rock back and forth for about five minutes. Whoa! And the crowd's like, huh? <laughs> that you know it. You yeah, know yeah, it. And I, grab I know the parts. Yeah, I've seen this shit before. But I guess as well, being that you were a dude who even at that young age knew about death matches was maybe interested in hardcore wrestling. You're like, this is really the least of what I'm willing to put myself through because I maybe want to get to that point where I'm doing barbed wire and glass and things like that. So you were kind of already gearing yourself up for something a bit more serious than regular wrestling. Yeah. I mean, like back then that wasn't really an option. Obviously, that was something, you know, everyone likes to play Fantasy Booker and book themselves. That's a route I wanted to go down. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. Like, I am a pussy. Like, I hate, like, I can't even do the blood finger test, you know, the sugar test where you yeah. click the little pen. Uh-huh. And you have you seen that? What diabetics yeah, yeah. do yeah, yeah, to yeah. get uh-huh. the blood sugar? Uh-huh. I'm such a pussy. Like, I can't do any of that shit. But when it comes to deathmatch wrestling, like, I'm not the one doing it. So, like, it's a necessary evil, mm-hmm. you know, like. I couldn't, like, if I was diabetic and needed to do those insulin shots into your stomach, there's no way I could do that. No yeah. way. Like, I'm a sweaty mess trying to do a blood test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. Just fuck it. Like, it is what it is. You know, I'm not doing it to myself. Yeah, people are hitting you so with stuff. Like you're getting pushed through stuff and things like that. So you just grin and bear it, which is a little bit different than, like, you know, putting a needle into your own skin or, or you know, or any oh, of that. Oh, yeah, there's of. no way. There's, yeah. There's absolutely no way I could uh, give myself an injection, you know, like... Do you do the... No, I'll do, happily do it to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Do you do the old, uh, you know, blade job scenario? Is that different for you? Like, is that the adrenaline is there or the benefits of death matches? You're mostly just getting hard way and it doesn't really matter. Um, in England, they use we use skinny tubes because we don't really have the big, the big thick tubes. Okay. So a lot of the blood is hard way. But when it comes to, like, blading and stuff, again that was just to me a necessary evil like you don't think about it mm-hmm. like i'd much rather you know gig and get color than do that little pen prick finger yeah. test thing i suppose it's a different <laughs> kind of, of cutting too you know again adrenaline's pumping but you know top of head move on to thing which is a little bit different than like precisely injecting yourself it's kind of freaky even just thinking about it. i'm not really a big needle guy like i mean i can 
take it and, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but again, I'm not sure I'd love to be doing it to myself. Guy. You didn't say you weren't an evil guy, though. <laughs> so what are you up to? Straight well, look, the veins I of that good fucking. <laughs> Look, this this cheap beer is only doing so much, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but I could literally... I mean, you've got to get your kick somehow. Yeah, well, that's it. I'm not sure I could actually inject myself with anything now I think about it. Like, I have tattoos and, like, you know, vaccinations, blah, blah, blah. None of that blood test, none of it bothers me. But the idea of doing it to myself actually is kind of gross now that you say it out loud. Yeah. There's no way. Like, obviously, I'm in wrestling. I know a lot of guys that take, like, steroids and stuff yeah. like that. I'll happily do it to someone else, but there's no way, like, some of these guys, they tell me stories of, like, you know, injecting into their traps or into their chest, and I just, oh, oh it just sounds so grisly. Mm, Fuck that. No, no. You're like, it put me through a fucking log cabin of light tubes before I go through any of that shit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So you're starting to train, you're figuring it out, um, and for you, Deathmatch still feels pretty far away. Did you ever, like, bring that up to anybody in the school? Because I quite often hear those kind of stories, like uh, guys training, oh, I want to do Deathmatch just one day, and, you know, the, the grizzled teacher says to them, no student of mine will ever be a garbage Deathmatch wrestler, that kind of vibe. <laughs> You're going to learn um, the, the king's like... sport. You're going to learn, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You're going to do world of sport, yeah. fucking chain wrestling for exactly half hour. Right. Um, I mean, my trainers were all super cool UK pit bulls, like the coolest guys ever. Mm-hmm. You know, so many training schools where only you train other places, yeah. but they were like, train anywhere and everywhere you can. Because even if you train with someone's shit, you're still going to learn. You know, you're going to learn how not to do stuff. Yeah. But um, back then, like, deathmatch wrestling in England was just not a thing, just not a thing at all. Like, yeah. You know, your pioneers are people like Iceman, who was in that Games of Death tournament. Yes. Um, so it just wasn't really a thing. And then in England, they've got like the seven-year rule, like you're an apprentice for seven years. So you can't really, you're not supposed to, it's different now, but you're not supposed to take any bookings. Uh, you can't book your own shows until that seven-year period's up where you kind of earned your stripes. Right. So it just really wasn't a thing. In the in like, in this predetermined sport, this was the rule. Yeah, you're kind of like a young boy, like the Japanese yeah, okay. have young boys. That's very and stuff. interesting. So like your gimmick gets picked for you. Yeah. You pretty much toe the line and do whatever. But then there would be periods where like I'd get booked in a hardcore match and I'd try push it as much as possible. Yeah. You know? Like it'd be a family show. I'm like, can we use can we use a barbed wire bat? And then the promoter might go back and forth. It wasn't really until I got to Rise where they gave me carte blanche to like, oh, can we do a hardcore match? Yeah. Oh, can we use some light tubes? Yeah, do whatever the fuck you want, you know. Yeah. And that was from there that I really got the good shit, the stuff I always wanted to do. Yeah. Was started with Rise. So got nothing but love for that promotion. That's awesome. So if you had to wait the seven the seven years of like apprenticeship or whatever, uh, how many years in were you when you like first came across Rise? Um, probably about nine, ten. Too long yeah. to be this shit. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. But yeah. Just, yeah. So like, I can actually wrestle because that's all I had to do for years and years. You know, like. In England, you do, like, the holiday camps and, you know, wrestling yeah. for All-Star, where it's very, like, action, 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 like, you know, all, all the moves and, you know, stuff like that. But it wasn't until Rise where I really got to pull the trigger on doing full-on death matches and stuff. Yeah. Well, before we jump, jump more into Rise, actually, uh, the holiday camps has always been, 
like sort of an interesting thing. I've always like heard those stories from when people go over there and you know you hear about page training and stuff like that. Take us through how that works a little bit because it's a pretty regular thing in England, isn't it? Yeah, so like right now in England, like all the holiday camps, they're like basically like caravan parks, you know, like, and they'll have like 500 caravans, maybe a thousand caravans on a site, and they'll have a big communal hall where they'll have entertainers on, you know, singers, whatever. You know, like, you have like X Factor in Australia, don't you? So they'll have like, or Pop Idol, whoever like came fucking 10th on that might be singing that night. (laughs) and stuff and they'll have entertainers on so basically in the afternoons normally they have wrestling Mm -hmm. and then obviously they're full they can have anywhere from say 100 people like at a small holiday park to like 2,000 when you work like Butlins yeah wow that's the big one like 2,000 people but you gotta think most of them probably aren't into wrestling they're just there because there's fuck all else to do Mm -hmm. you know it's either that or spend money in uh, arcades so like you have you normally have like say two matches and you both have to do like half hour, so you have to wrestle for quite a while. Wow. And um, you really get your reps in, man, because you might do two holiday camps. Even I've done three in one day before. Yeah, you have to set the ring up, take it down, wrestle for half hour in front of a crowd that don't necessarily want to see it. So you have to taper the match towards that. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, it's more it's more pantomime sometimes yeah. on a holiday. That, camp that's what what I heard. It's like real. that kind of like old school carny like it doesn't matter like that you're say big fucking joe in rise when you're there you're kind of bouncing off the crowd and rolling with what's happening and like really doing that freelance walk and talk type stuff right no no one gives a shit like obviously you get you you do get a few wrestling fans and stuff but Mm -hmm. Very rare. Like you, you will get like wrestling fans because they're in every facet of life. But yeah. nine times out of ten, they could give a fuck who you are. They just want to cheer the good guys, boo the bad guys, maybe buy a foam finger and stuff. And like, yeah, yeah it's good. It's, it, you really learn so much on it because like when you get to wrestle half hour matches and you get to do two or three in a day, yeah, you know, you really learn quick. You can really practice spots. You can find out what gets over with certain crowds. Um, you know, some people go on the holiday camps and they do the same match every day, which would suck. Yeah. I, I would prefer every match is different because otherwise you're not going to really learn. Yeah, exactly. Like listen but, to the um, crowd, change it up, work with it kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. It's, it's better to have what ifs, you know, like if they go for this, then I might do this. Yeah. You know, don't plan the match exactly. But um, there's such a good learning experience. Like everyone in wrestling needs to do the holiday camps. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's just it's, it's just the ball like setting those rings up that yeah, many times, exactly. like having to take rings up four flights of steps to go to a ballroom. Like, wow. oh fuck that! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bumping them in and That's out. So, so it's just really a skeleton crew type thing. It's just a couple of wrestlers. Um, yeah, literally, maybe four wrestlers. Yeah. Maybe four, depending on what the holiday camp wants and a ref. And you you all set the ring up together, yeah. which is the worst. You know they might have bingo on before, yeah. And then you're sat there in your wrestling gear with the person you're about to fight, setting the ring up to then fight to then take the ring down with them wow. and stuff. But it's such a good learning experience, yeah, yeah. And you have so many good times in the camps. You think like you're wrestling on that camp, and you might stay there that night, and you go out and get all fucked up and have a good time, yeah. That's pretty good. So uh, when you say it's like all the caravans and stuff, like is the the camp like, is it a caravanning holiday? So people have come from 
miles around with their own personal caravans and they're parked there and then there's just entertainment on? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It literally depends on the park. Some parks you can have, like, fixed caravans Mm -hmm. and chalets and stuff like that, and then you get, like, a little pitch with, like, you know, say 200 caravans, people that have rocked up. But then you get some parks that are all, like, chalets and caravans and you can't, you just turn up in a car and then you get your keys and stay at whatever part of the park. Yeah, yeah. But literally on these camps, man, like, like when I wrestled for All Star, which is Brian Dixon, he's a famous promoter in England. Like I've heard of him. Yeah, he didn't give a fuck if I'm Big Joe. He's like, tonight you're going to be a Canadian guy. Here's a Canadian flag. Yeah, this you're is what I've got. Lumberjack. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> That's but like you'll see the you'll see the maddest matches. Like Masada has come over and wrestled for All Star, and he was like the Texan, the Texas assassin or some shit. Or they'll have like a Japanese guy, like a legend from Japan. Doesn't yeah. matter who they are, because they used to get sent over an excursion. Yeah. You'd get like two Japanese guys from Noah would come over every two months. And he wouldn't give a fuck like if you were, you know, Suzuki, but like today you're gonna be something probably a bit, you know, un PC. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> be just, Bruce you know, Lee Bruce Lee's you know, uncle, <laughs> like Bobbly or, or uh, something yeah. fucked. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, mate, if you could if you could see those posters and stuff, like yeah, you'll be today you'll be uh I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to get myself cancelled, but <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I, <laughs> You're going to be a stereotypical Japanese bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm so interested. I feel like it would be so entertaining, like uh, following these things around and like catching what these guys do. And I think for you guys, it's probably like a, a fun change where you're like, okay, then I'm a fucking Canadian guy. And then just doing a shitty accent and like, you know, getting the yeah, heat and doing all that. Literally, I remember in that match, every, every time I would bump the guy, yeah. I just do the loud storm, oh Canada, you know, oh Canada, and that's all I do, and I got over. But it's like you learn, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly doing it, and it's fun. It's yeah. fun to. You'd throw in as many of boots as you possibly could, though. You'd be like, and that's what it's all about, and they'd be like, Woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in my English accent. Yeah, 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 like not even trying to do it. That's so good, man. So, yeah. uh, are you still doing those at all now, or are you like kind of past that point? at the moment or are they not running because I mean, of covid or no no they are they are and i could but financially i can't really justify like it's better going on the camps when you're a bit of a younger guy and uh money's not so much of an issue yeah you know like you can earn good money on it especially when the camps let you sell your own merchandise which okay. is a massive mm-hmm. a massive thing but i i remember like i've got kids and you know i've got a house and yeah. I, I need to be earning money like i can't do things for hot dog and handshake i just can't yeah yeah like i mean like i remember going on the camps once normally on camps you get paid cash at the end of the match yeah and i didn't and this was a different one i didn't realize you got paid check at the end of the tour so i'm there for six weeks every day wrestling on camps me and him spend all or well, i spend all my money on our first night out in wales on you know, getting fucked up in like clubs and stuff, like yeah. a young boy. Uh-huh. And then I, I do the first show and I'm waiting to get paid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's check, check at the end of the tour. So, like, I've got no money. Like, you know, I'm like 19, 20. So, every day I had to shoplift wrestling magazines from shops to sell at the merch table <sighs> to get through. So, I just had no money. I'm too proud to take, you know, the other guys be like, oh, here you go, I'll give you some money. But I had yeah. no merch because I was a jobber. Yeah. You know? yeah. So every day I had to like steal wrestling magazines and shit from shops to fucking sell. <laughs> to live. Just to, just to feed myself. Fuck yeah, hell. so bad. Like looking back at it, it's funny, but just the stress, you know. Oh, dude. And it, when it's but, that uh, long as well, like I, you're like signed up to do this for weeks as well and you're like, oh man, I'm fucked. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, but like, yeah, now I can. I I would do the camps for a week maybe, but I can't justify six weeks off like yeah. my shoot job mm-hmm. and in not great money to not see my kids and stuff every night. It's just it's not really worth it. Uh, if there's camps like in the local area, like I live in an area where there's loads of holiday camps, like uh-huh. I quite happily sneak out of my real job to do a holiday camp show in the afternoon. Yeah, to earn like a you know pizza money essentially yeah yeah, exactly a little bit of extra uh, hand cash kind of thing yeah but it's not really something for me at the minute i prefer to do like the hall shows and stuff like that mm-hmm. well and then yeah when uh stuff like rise and everything are getting back on then that's going to be a better scenario for you and speaking of which you've got like some rise shows coming back now don't you um you sent me that poster yeah, for that yeah. one that's coming up real soon yeah yeah, the Outlaw Cup, that's going to be sick. It's got like, uh, it's just a four, like four-man mini tournament, yeah. essentially. With mm-hmm. There's a brand called Deathmatch Outlaws, so it's all four of us. Because uh, in England, like, Deathmatch wrestling's kind of been bastardized. A lot of people just using the term Deathmatch, even if it's not a Deathmatch. Yeah. So we kind of want to show them what real Deathmatch wrestling is, you know? Because yeah. it's a checklist thing, isn't it, for a lot of wrestlers? Oh, I want to do a Deathmatch. Mm-hmm. But do you really want to do a death match or do you want to say you've done a death match? Do you, want, too, do you want some photos with you, know. you bleeding after you've been hit with a light tube? Like, is that what you're really about, you know? Dude, there's been death matches in England that haven't had any light tubes, any drawn pins, any sharp objects, anything, and they're calling themselves death match. And it's like, dude, we fucking kill ourselves to do death match. Like, in Rise, we didn't even want to call a death match a death match until, like, we just called them hardcore matches, just to set the standard for when we do a death match, it's a real fucking death match. You know, we're not yeah. fucking about, yeah. uh, there's so many like things in England at the minute, like people saying the death match, but they're really, really not. So Cause it's, what the death match is so hot at the moment, out. you know, like in the COVID era and stuff, companies like GCW and ICW, no holds barred and no peace and stuff kept wrestling going, you know, like in, yeah. like IWTV and stuff, like when nobody was doing anything, they're, they're in the bloodshed, like rock in the house and all eyes are on it. And it's like really like the cool thing right now. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that people are trying like grab clout from that. Yeah, I think this is truly the golden age of deathmatch wrestling. Like yeah. I think we'll look back on this in a few years and be like, wow, because like everyone's so talented now. Like people can actually wrestle. It's not just hack and slash. Like obviously people could wrestle back then, like, you know, but there was more prevalent hack and slashes sort of thing in in the deep South and mid South somewhat. But now it's like so many good guys that can wrestle, but they choose to do death match because that's their passion. Yeah. They can, they can do the hold for hold. They can do all that, but they choose to do it in broken glass. Like, because they they love it and they they grew up loving that stuff and it's pretty awesome and when it's done well it's it's one of the best man it's like literally the best yeah like for me I just it's just uh, I've always like even as a kid when I like got into tape trading quite young at like the age of like eleven twelve mm-hmm. like I was always a fan of the the like the sort of like madness and the you know how frantic everything is and stuff like that, you know, I like the mayhem, I I would love like watching like USWA, like concession stand rules and stuff like that, you know, like just, just mad, I love it. I like, I like the speed of it and stuff too, so my wife is the kind of person who's a very accomplished like professional person, does like lots of stuff, Um, and when it's like big, 
long technical matches and stuff like that, she loses interest. If I put on like ICW or something like that, she's there for it. Like just before we got on the phone uh, today, obviously we watched your match, but also before that we caught up on the last match of the recent No Peace show. So Schlack and Masada versus like 440. And I'm like, um, hey, I've saved the last match yeah, for you because Schlack's like her favourite, right? And she's like, yes, and then watch, and is fucking stoked, and it's just mayhem, and there's things happening constantly, and it like keeps her attention, and then she's out. She's like, cool, that was fun, kind of thing. Whereas when it's these big, drawn out stuff, and she she's got no time for it. She's like, here for a good time, not for a yeah, long time. Like, Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I look at look at death matches, like a punk rock song. Yes, say a uh, sixty minute world of sport match might be akin to a Dragon Force song. Yeah, like you know, like that's really impressive, and I do like it, but. Ask me to hum that song. I won't have a fucking clue. Mm-hmm. Ask me to sing every word to that two-minute punk song. I'll know it all, you yeah. know? And that's, like, I, I kind of see the... That's what I, I just love about deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. And, I, I yeah, I just love the vibe of it. And it, it's, like, I played in metal bands and, and punk bands and things like that. And so when I hear that stuff and going into those shows and that, it gives me that same feeling. And I'm like, let's just get in and let's go. And, and like, I love it, you know? It, it, the intensity is what I'm about. It's killer. Yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, I, I truly think we're so blessed with like technology and stuff. Like, just so many good deathmatch wrestlers at the minute. Like, my list of people I want to work is just so long. Yeah, exactly. One day, hopefully, with uh, geography and stuff, I'll make it happen. Well, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt, man. And once this COVID shit is all sorted and things are getting put to one side, there's so many good places to work in the world right now for deathmatch. Like, how could you not be able to work something out? It'd be killer. Have to get you over to Australia. You've heard of Deathmatch Down Under, right? Yeah, yeah. I speak to Joel. Oh, great. I spoke to him. Uh, yeah, like they they were doing good things. Obviously, the pandemic's kind of slowing it a bit down. I think their Dream Cap tournament's been pushed back, hasn't it? It's going to be like so, today or tomorrow. Uh, and now it's pushed oh, back. Well. To, yeah, exactly. Uh, and now it's yeah going to be pushed back till I think the 2nd of October now due to all the lockdowns right. and stuff. So, yeah, that was going to be the first Australian Deathmatch tournament. So, yeah, it's a real shame. I was hoping to go over for it, but, yeah, the COVID stuff, because I'm on the other side of the country, uh, the COVID stuff makes that yeah. impossible, you know, which is annoying. I would Shit. love to I would love to see it, and I, I, more importantly, I would love them to be able to do it, you know, They're obviously, you know, booked venues yeah, and, and talent and all those kind of things. Obviously, with it being the first deathmatch tournament in Australia as well, like, it's just people, like, I find with Rise shows, they might not even be a wrestling fan, but when you see a deathmatch live, how the fuck can you not like that? If you if you're you know out with the lads having a few drinks and you see such mayhem in front of you, it's like how can you not? Even if it's a one night off deal, like as a night out, like you're going to be talking about that for weeks. Yeah, it's a, like you can't not be just like holy fuck and like laughing. And yeah, just, like you can like, take anybody to any wrestling show and that's the outcome. But but when you add like the pop of tubes and people going through boards and stuff like that, dudes are losing their mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's a totally different sort of atmosphere. Like, I could take a friend to a wrestling show and they might be like, oh, yeah, that was okay, but this kind of sucked. But take them to a deathmatch show and it's like, I just don't know what the fuck I've just seen. It was mad. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's, like, standing around with their hands in their pockets bored at a deathmatch show. Exactly. And you can't be because it's too dangerous because you've got glass flying everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And stuff. You need so to keep you your head on like, a swivel. <laughs> yeah. So, so for you then, so Rise comes along. Um, was Rise relatively new when you got involved with it or it had been around for a while or how did that work? Yeah, I think it was uh, around for about 
a few shows before I got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still quite a relatively new company, I guess. Yeah. They've done quite well with social media to like hustle and get the name out there because mm-hmm. it's literally a one-man band. It's ran by one guy who does everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I, I lucked in getting in quite early because I know a lot of people want to wrestle for them now yeah. uh, in England anyway, just because of the atmosphere, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I got on at about the second or third show, maybe yeah, no. the fourth show. Uh-huh. And it was all downhill from there, really. Yeah, yeah. And once I started giving you that freedom, you must have been like a kid in a candy store. Like, oh, I finally found somewhere where I can do the stuff I want to do. Yeah, because it was perfect. Because they were, like, booking me in matches with, like, m- like people I like, like other Deathmatch Outlaw guys, like Michael Cave and, and Danny Darko. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, yo, you're going to be in a freeway match. I was like, oh, can we make it hardcore? Yeah. And I was like... Caden was like the biggest tape trader as a kid like me uh-huh. and it's like he's such a mark for like CZW, FMW and shit like that it was like we just had a field today you know so it was like we both got to live out our teenage sort of dreams in that sort of aspect <laughs> exactly if only Rise had enough money for explosions we'd be all good yeah exactly take it all the way to that FMWE scenario that's going on right now man that's mad madness only is a fucking what a weird life he's lived, right? I know. But, like, just still the lord of it at his age. Like, just goes, I'm going to do it again, and then just kills it. Yeah, I know. I think he's got Tremont soon as he well, does. hasn't he, in the he States, does. like H2O weekend. Yeah, Tremont just uh, released that thing saying that he was supposed to be a man of his word and was supposed to be retired, but Anita's called him back out, so he's going to do it again. So, And, I mean, I, I think when they did, you know, that, one night only or whatever, you know, once in a lifetime kind of match, whatever, whatever yeah, it was called. One. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think Anita was really at his healthiest and, like, as a result, it kind of breaks down into a tag and wasn't a real thing. But from, I, I haven't had the opportunity to watch a full FMWE show, but from what I can see, he's kind of going at the moment. Like, I've seen him, like, uh, pile-driving dudes through exploding tables and all kinds of stuff. It looks like he's, he's wrestling, man. Those tables look stiff. I know. They look like they hurt. That's those Japanese tables, man. They're no joke. They're not. Fuck that. Everything the Japanese do, they do with 100% effort, and that includes table building. I just don't get why it's so narrow. Like, they're just so thin. <laughs> what could you ever What could you ever do on that? You could, it'd be uncomfortable for riding or for eating. or I don't really know what they're for other than exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> They don't like their comfort, the Japanese, I don't think. No, but they, they don't. But you know what? Whenever I've been on like a train with them and me and my wife and our, our friend are on these trains and we're all like kind of sprawled out, like trying to fit and uncomfortable, I look over and the Japanese never look uncomfortable. They look like they fit perfectly well. And I'm like, I think I'm just a big, stupid like Westerner and I just like take up way more space than they ever could, I think is the problem. Yeah. They do it as a rib on all Westerners, all guys in that end of the country. Yeah, exactly. You go to restaurants and, like, there's no chairs and it's just, like, the little table and you kind of step up onto a little stage and you've got to sit, like, with your legs crossed. And they've done that forever, but that is – that could be torture for me, you know. (laughs) I'm like, how can I stay here for an entire meal? I'm, like, trying to stretch my legs under the table and stuff. It gets gets tricky. You're getting pins and needles in your feet and you oh. can't get up and you have to, like, you've got a dead leg. Yeah, and then, then you're tipping over the entire table as you crawl out from underneath it. Like, I'm, I'm a mess. And they'll, like, 
we'll go into an izakaya restaurant. So it'll be like, you know, uh, you go in and there's drinks and lots of different meals and stuff. We get into a booth and there'll be three of us. We'll all take off our jackets and stuff and it'll be like half the half the seat is taken up with all the jackets and then the three of us barely fit. And then next to us in a booth exactly the same size, there'll be six Japanese people with all their coats, like everybody having a great time looking like they've got the most like room in the world. And I'm like, how big am I really? Like, is my, <laughs> my uh, like, Western measurements and weight and stuff all, like, favoured to make me think I'm doing way better than I am? Because clearly I'm a behemoth. <laughs> just embrace it. Embrace your inner Brody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fucking just, shit up. Start pushing shit over. I need more room and stuff. <laughs> Knock it all out. Have you ever been to Japan? No, man. That's the bucket list. That, bucket is, list. that is, like, you have, like, your wrestling goals when you first start out. Yeah. And then obviously they are what they are. But then you get your realistic goals, and Japan is like that is the one. That's the I need to get you to Japan like on someone else's dime. Like I could easily pay for a flight and get booked. I'm sure. But yeah. That's not. That doesn't count. Like I need. I need to get paid to go to Japan. Yeah. And wrestle. That's that's the ultimate. I'll die a happy man if I can get that. Yeah. Exactly. Since I've been doing a lot of these interviews, you know, with deathmatch wrestling guys, I get that answer a lot. You know, a lot of guys want to get there, want to wrestle in Japan, want to do those venues, you know, Shinkiba First Ring, Karakun Hall and all that. And, yeah. yeah. And, man, like I can't, like, like we keep saying, like Deathmatch has never been hotter and I feel like these promotions are going to want to do way more of that when everything returns back to normal. Yeah, hopefully. Like egotistically, I think I do quite well in Japan because yeah. I've got a gimmick. They like their quirky sort of gimmicks. I'm fairly tall. I'm like six foot three. Yeah, you know, like two hundred and eighty pounds. Like probably bigger than a lot of you know deathmatch guys, especially in Japan. Like, yeah, exactly. You looking like a I'll huge Bruiser well Brody like coming in. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just in just in a pair of Y fronts. You know, I think it would do quite well, but. We shall see. I, I think they'd wine. actually fucking love it, to be honest. They love weird stuff like, like that as well. How did exactly. that how'd that come about, man? So how did a the name Big Fucking Joe come about? And then how did the idea of like the business shirt and the Y fronts and, and all that scenario happen? Okay, so I used to wrestle as uh, Joe FX, which was a, uh, the seven-year rule came into effect because I like punk. Yeah. And the trainer was like, instead of Sex Pistol, why don't you be called Tex Pistol? And I was like, well, that's shit. How about instead of No Effects, Joe FX, like jokingly. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, Joe FX, that's going to be a name. And I was stuck wearing pleather pants and a Dead Kennedys t-shirt for several years mm-hmm. before I decided to, like, you know, get in shape and stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I went to a prom- like I went to a promotion, obviously Rise, doing a, like a bodyguard gimmick for for a guy called Leonardo Darwin. Okay, and uh, so I originally had the trousers, you know, like a dorm and like a bouncer in England wears dress shirt, yeah, dress trousers, stuff like that. And then we did a promo in London, and it was like the amount of times I've ripped my trousers because I, I work security as a shoot job. Yeah. The amount of times I've ripped my trousers in fights working in nightclubs, like so many times. And, uh, we were doing a promo in London and I was like, what's going to get more attention? Like me walking around, pushing you in a wheelchair in a dress trousers and shirt or me in like a pair of Y fronts. Cause it's just so fucking absurd. So we did that. And like, we got so many looks in like central London and like, people calling the police and all sorts of shit. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just stick with it because it's so 
absurd. Like, there's no difference. If I was wearing white trunks, like yeah. wrestling trunks, there's no difference to me wearing white trunks over white pants. But the white pants get so much more notoriety, you know, which is, makes it's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's the same exactly. thing. But... It's crazy, but there's something about, I mean, the conditioning of, of us, you know, the the material it's made out of, knowing it's like, you know, the stereotypical underwear of all time that just immediately catches people's look. And you could literally be standing across the ring from somebody in regular white trunks and you would stand out. It's kind of yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. I like I like the absurdity of it. And, like, in England, like, we've got a weird sense of humour, I guess. And there's, like, uh, TV shows like Bottom, which you probably have never seen. but um, I have, actually. Like, just with the pants. And I think, like, I do deathmatch wrestling. Like, what's more fucking deathmatched? And I'm willing to do a deathmatch in a pair of fucking pants. No knee pads. Nothing. No no cup underneath those pants. It's like, you can do whatever you want. And, and the good thing is, like, you could do a 6.30 flip. Which I can't do, yeah. But still, I'm still going to get remembered. I'm like, remember that fat guy in pants? Like, it's just uh, when you come I don't out, care as long as they remember. It, you know? Well, also when you come out like uh, in the God tournament and stuff, and you come through, and you've obviously already had you know matches in the tournament, and you're just covered in blood, and you're wearing like a business shirt, no pants, <laughs> and shoes and stuff. You look like a complete maniac. You know, you look like the kind of guy that just, like, lost it with his nine-to-five job and just, like, Yeah, like, falling down. down. You've seen the movie Falling That's Down? That's exactly what I thought of, yeah, but exactly, like, falling down, where he's just, like, on a rampage, basically. And and that's what it what it made me think of straight away. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the goal is to get noticed. So yeah. if pants do that or people, like, think it's a nappy I don't give a fuck as long as you remember me like I don't care what you think or what you say just yeah. remember me hopefully in a good way but it is what it is so is the um yeah I've, I've heard deathmatch guys talk about uh you know a lot a lot of deathmatch guys will wear shorts and and things like that and I've heard it talk about this like you know arteries in your legs or whatever and stuff that thing is that a concern for you like a safety concern or you're just like oh fuck it no no, fuck it. I'm going to die somehow, right? I fucking work a dangerous job. I've yeah. been in, like, not so much now, like, after COVID, but before I worked in, like, nightclubs, rough nightclubs. It's fucking, your time's done when your time's done. Like, here's what it is. Like, I, I, you know, I'll be okay. And if I'm not, I'm not. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when it comes. When, it. I, when I've got one leg and I'm in a wheelchair, then I'll, I might regret it. But until that point. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Exactly. Well, I mean, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? Like, so it's, you may as well exactly. do it. A block of ice could literally fall out of the sky from an aeroplane and kill me. So I'm never going to worry about anything like that. And with the pants, like like I said, like, sounds silly, but I will go out and have the best match I can every time. But I fear it's, like, I don't need to do as much because I'm in pants. Like, what's more, what's more death match? The guy in fucking jean shorts and a hockey jersey or the guy in pants and no knee pads, like, yeah. to me, it's a no-brainer. Exactly. It's, like, the hardest you know, shit ever, and it's, like, super memorable every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's I'll funny. keep rocking it until I can, uh, until I have to tap out, I guess. <laughs> well, it, it stands out straight away, man, and I think that's all the goal. And it's so simple as well. You know what I mean? You don't have to pay a lot for gear. Like you, it's but it is a fine art trying to find decent pairs of Y fronts because they're not that easy to find. They're not the most fashionable, you know, of uh, undergarment 
So mm. maybe if I wore some nice uh, Kelvin Klein boxer shorts, it'd be a lot easier. But yeah, exactly. Just stick to the basic bitch wide fronts. Do you just like when you find, a, say, a good supplier of like what you would deem a quality wide front with a good fit? Do you like cool? I'm going to buy three dozen of these <laughs> to last yes. me. For, yeah. look, as we speak in my car. Oh, look, yep, yep. In my car, look. What's this? <laughs> That's a, a loose pair of wide fronts. fronts. <laughs> yeah, just and in in the boot, I've got a machete. So let's let's hope I never get pulled. So that's some questions. You're going to jail. Then. You're going to jail if you've got a bloody pair of white fronts, a six pack of Bud yeah. Light, and a machete in your car. You're fucking done. They won't even want yeah. to hear it. They're just I've locking you up. Things as well. <laughs> they don't even want to hear it. They're just locking you outside unseen. Yeah, I just have to get straight on the Instagram and be like, honestly, I'm a deathmatch wrestler. Look. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody, we just had to take a quick break real quick to Sweet. refill on beers and re-empty of other things. Then uh, how are we travelling? Where were we? I don't remember. Yeah, we'll be, yeah we're three beers deep at 9am in the morning, so it's going to be a, a messy day, I, a, pr- I feel. A, pr- a productive day. That gym's going to be rough. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to um, you know, balance it out with some uh, 420 intake when I get inside. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to end up going to the gym. You're I just going to end up asleep. <laughs> uh, well, I always remember these stories of Hogan and Vince training when they had loads of beer and stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, it worked for them. So who are we to to judge them in any way? You know, there's some kind of energy yeah, I mean, and cardio. I could probably do with some testosterone and some Dianabol, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's the cocktail. I mean, it's deathmatch rest. Thing. The physiques aren't exactly phenomenal, are they? No, no. Though there's a few of them getting up there. I mean, who and in Deathmatch has got a good body? Schlack. Schlack. Uh, Oren Vite is looking pretty good these days. He's like right on top of his fitness, I'd say. Um, oh, it's hard to say, really. Um, thinking of other ones. Uh, maybe like, uh, like, I guess, Akira. You'll be thinking a while. Yeah. yeah, but what I mean is like so many, <laughs> so many deathmatch wrestlers are like, if they're in shape, they're quite small. Yeah, like they're you know like not six foot. They're not you know, the Hulkster. I think, is what you're saying. Luckily, I'm six. Yeah, like I'm six foot two, six foot three, bit fat, but you know, tanned fat is better than no fat. A little bit of the gym, I think I got enough to get by. Look, you strike a pretty imposing figure. Uh, when you're there, especially when you're only wearing a, a business shirt and Y front. So, I mean, that that's all part of the charm. And it's a pretty impressive exactly. beard too. You that can't fuck it. with crazy. Right? No, no, exactly. You look terrifying. There you go. Exactly. So let's have a think. When we're, where we're at now or where we were before we went off the rails again was um, we're talking about Rise, getting into that kid in a candy store, enjoying everything that's going along. Um at which point do you start to rise the ranks there? Because you were obviously where where I sort of jumped in when I first saw you versus Cass. You're the champion. So how's that all come about? Um, I just think it was the faith of the promoter, I guess, mm-hmm. really. Um, started like getting more over, doing the hardcore stuff, the deathmatch death stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, yeah, the fans kind of, Talk to me like it's, it's, it feels weird saying this because yeah. it's just gonna come across sound like a dick, no, um, but just started to get more over, I guess, yeah. 
crowd started to like me a bit more uh-huh. and then the promoter had faith in me i guess mm-hmm. just uh worked out well really and who did you take the title from um i should remember shouldn't i really mm. um i'll edit that question out it's not a big deal uh, <laughs> no no that's fine that's fine uh let me think about this i can't remember man that all blares into one like rise shows like it is so much fun. You know, you know what? There's just, <laughs> just all blare into one. There's so uh, many victims of Big Fucking Joe that how could he ever possibly keep track? That's what it is. Exactly. I just, I just can't keep count the body count. Uh, yeah, oh, it's uh, just, it's just unstoppable. Yeah, I don't know. Someone will know. Yeah, so, fuck, fuck knows. I beat some jabroni. And, uh, <laughs> some fucking job. <laughs> the, the belt ended up where it should, should have ended up. Well, that's it. Until. Uh, that tournament when Cass takes it from you. So I believe you said that you ended up travelling to Las Vegas to take it back. Is that right? Yeah, we did like a, a freeway match, me, Cass, and Marcus Crane, which was fucking a bucket list name for me to work as well. Absolutely. In, in a place literally called the the Dive Bar in Las Vegas. That's it. In a, in a no-ring match, which was a, a lot of fun. Um, I don't think many people have seen it, but it is on Cass's YouTube page. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good, good, good life experience. No you know, doubt. Have um, you have you done much no ring stuff? Do they like, do that? Yeah, I think I've only done two no ring matches. Uh, one against Cass in Leeds mm-hmm. for Rise, which was insane, mm-hmm. like well over capacity. That was a mad one. And then the the freeway match with me, him, and Marcus mm-hmm. in Vegas. But I've got another one coming up next week for a new promotion called Kumite in England. So I've got to do a double shot. I've got to wrestle Clint Margera in a death match in Liverpool. Awesome. For TNT. Then I've got to leave and drive two hours to Derby to do a freeway no ring for Kumite. So that'll be a busy, painful day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That uh, that drive is going to be a bit brutal after the first one, right? Yeah, because I want to have the best death match TNT's ever seen because... Uh, not to shit on their previous death matches. They've had some good ones with uh, Clint and Ricky Shane Page, but like that's not going to be good. But some of their death matches, I, I feel I could do better. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, that, yeah. well, Clint's one of the UK names that stands out to me. I'm like uh, aware of him um, and his work and stuff, and I've heard like really good things about it. Have you worked him much before? I've worked him in a singles match, in a death match, actually, for a promotion called DNA, which was a really fun match. That was the week before I did Tournament of Death. So that was a, a really big match for me because he's one of the pioneers in uh, the death match scene in England. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was a different, different performer back then. I'm, I'm, you know, I feel this match will... That was a great match, and one of my favourite matches, but I feel this one will be better. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. Well, that's it. It's Definitely, on, onwards so and upwards. Yeah, the more experience and well-travelled and stuff now. So, I mean, you will will have learned a few tricks in that time. That's only natural. Exactly. He's a different guy now. Like, he's uh, he doesn't drink alcohol or anything like that and just focuses on wrestling. So he's in a different mind space. Um, I feel I'm the best of being, you know, so I, I feel we're going to have a fucking killer match. That's I can't it. You've, wait. You've never been more can't focused wait. on alcohol. So that, that works out well. Well, here for, like you said, here for a good time, not a long time, right? That's exactly right. It's like, look, don't worry about it, Clint. I'll drink the rider. You focus on the match. We'll be all good. Exactly. Yeah, that's there you it. go. I can I can drink even more now because he doesn't drink. So it's perfect. 
It was a like that used to work out well for me in the band with the writer. See, I've only got an automatic license. That's not that's not really like a big thing in the, in the case of the world. Like, I don't give a fuck about cars in Australia. That's a big deal because like cool blokes want to drive like V8 utes and stuff and like, I don't know, do burnouts and shit. And they're like, oh, you don't have your fucking manual. And I'm like, yeah, well, I kind of had the opportunity to get my license. I failed it. And then I went back the next day and got my auto license. So I didn't have to go another year without a car. And then I just never kind of got around to it. And then I was like, why the fuck would you drive a manual anyway? Well, like I automatic. If I want to be able to drive and eat a, a fucking Burger King or McDonald's at the same time. I do not need gears. Literally the exact words I was about to say was, I kind of like to fucking eat trash food while I drive. Plus, hear me out, when we were on tour with the band, we would always hire the cheapest van or whatever, which would always be manual. So guess who was always drinking the fucking rider and never had to drive ever and could just sleep in the back? Your boy. So am I the fucking idiot or am I fucking the smartest guy in the car? Because that's the way I felt about it. Yeah, you, you booked that perfectly, yeah, I feel. And then I never had thing. And then it's only ever benefited me. So, like, I've had jobs where they're like, oh, mate, well, we need a manual if you're going to drive the truck. Guess I can't drive the truck, guys. All right, well, you just do this other stuff. Sweet. Like, and why do I want to drive a fucking truck? Yeah. Like, and on and on it goes. So, and if I'm ever going to buy a car with my personal money, I would buy an automatic so I can fucking eat and like and drink and like have a good time rather than worrying about that bullshit. So who cares? But um, I don't remember why I started talking about that. No, I 100% agree though. I'm very much uh, automatic or I'm not doing it. Yeah, exactly. Why did I start talking about cars? I don't know. Where. I think it's I think it's the, the copious amounts of alcohol we're having. We're now we're now just talking Probably. shit. Is what is what's happening? Pants. This is going to be the drunkest I've ever been on this podcast. I, I feel you didn't you didn't actually sneak off to go for a pee. I think you went for a cheeky line, and that's why you're so happy. <laughs> well, so those needles I was telling you about. <laughs> so those needles I was telling you about before. Don't tell anybody. No, no. Um. So. Yeah. Obviously, good shows. Brown straight into your veins, oh, right? Fucking hell! I would just. I, I am not a drug guy at all, and I can't tell you just how instantly I would die. Like, if I ever did anything, I'd be that statistic, right? Oh, he only tried it once in his life, and he was immediately dead. That's me, straight out. <laughs> Fucking cooked. Yeah, when I, when, I, when I get old enough and I can't wipe my own ass, I think I'm going to try heroin for the first time and be like, hopefully I take enough after that. I just, the sweet release of death, you it's- know? Just ride a fucking golden unicorn into the fucking abyss. Yeah, straight into the pits of hell. <laughs> exactly. Off you go. Well, it, it sounds like the way to go out. Um, back to wrestling. We're we're fucking off on one today. Uh, the so everything's starting to open back up for you guys, right? From what I heard, like in the UK, they were just like, "Hey, everybody's had their chance to get vaccinated. Do it or be dead. We're opening everything back up." Basically, is what it is, right? Uh, somewhat. They're kind of making it like. They're trying to put levies on forcing people to get vaccinated, which is either um, pro-choice, do what you want. Like, you're only here once, I'm not going to, you know, force you to do anything or force you to not do anything, do what you want. Um, But things are pretty much opened up now. So it's good. Hopefully it stays that way. We'll see. Um, But shows are back on. I was kind of fortunate enough to do the last show in England before lockdown. Literally, the night before we went into lockdown, I had a match. Yeah. Between lockdowns, I had a mini sort of period of like two weeks. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to wrestle probably the only show in England then. And I did the first show back from lockdown in England. So it was a weird trifecta of shows. I got to 
a weird part of history that no one will give a fuck about apart from me, but it's still pretty cool. You know, you know. How long were you locked down things for? Things are, are now opening, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, how long were you locked down for? Fucking a blur, man. I worked so much. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know, maybe nine months. I'm not sure. A while. Nine life, months. Life's a blur for me anyway. You know, I don't, I don't remember shit. Yeah, I yeah. want to say nine. I might be wrong, man. It's fucking a while. It sounds like a long time. Quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm might be wrong but uh literally my life didn't change every day if anything my life got busier you know i, I worked like 90 hours a week like oh so two, so with your job jobs. you were you were still allowed to to work you you were never really personally locked down yeah not not me personally every, the only difference was i couldn't go to the gym so i just smoked a lot of weed and drank a lot i got fatter a lot of pizza um, but literally I went to work every day. So I've, my life's not changed. If anything, it got busier because yeah. uh, I work in security and obviously with COVID they had like various measures in, in supermarkets and superstores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my life didn't really change. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of lucky in that aspect, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. Like I, I've only lost like one day ever to COVID lockdowns. And I mean, here in Perth, we're very isolated. So we've only had a few and they've only been a couple of weeks at a time you know, kind of thing. Right. But yeah, with with my job, I, even when we were closed, I was sort of still there doing stuff, you know, either manning the phones or packing orders yeah. or whatever it may be. So yeah, I, I'm fortunate in that aspect. Not fortunate in the aspect that I would love two weeks off work, just just once to try it because I feel like lockdown life would suit yeah. me to a fucking tee. But uh, <laughs> I definitely yes. uh, commiserate with, with those people who actually did lose like real money and time and all that kind of stuff because it's very real for a lot of people yeah i mean that's personally my personal thing was like i wasn't necessarily agreeing with lockdowns because if i'm not putting food on your plate who am i to say what you do like but is what it is like you can't we're not we're not in charge of the world nah. world so it's not up to us exactly right well uh, hopefully we're starting to yeah. see the back of it now with like the the more vaccinations and everything that are coming out i don't give a fuck People could do whatever they want. I just kind of want life to return to normal so we can, you know, yeah. go to wrestling shows and do fucking awesome shit like that. And I, I've got so many friends now uh, in wrestling that I want to see, you know, be able to come here and I want to go to the States and go to UK and travel the world and do whatever and, and be able to share that with people, you know. Yeah. I miss it, man. Yeah, me too, man. I, can't, I cannot wait to get to to the US again I've got a few dates lined up it's just uh, whenever I can get into the country I, I'm pretty sure I can get into America but it's the coming back like yeah. I can't come back to England to quarantine for two weeks so I need to be able to go to America and come straight back yeah so and, and like point, jump you know, straight back into work otherwise yeah you're giving up two weeks of work and unless those promoters are like paying for that two weeks of income it just doesn't make sense right yeah, and that's never ever going to happen, is it? Really, not not <laughs> no. independent wrestling. No, fuck no, it's so. not exactly right. All right, bud. So let, let's play that game that I play sometimes, where I like to talk about what you're feeling in wrestling at the moment. So if there's something you were going to recommend, um, certain wrestlers you're feeling, uh, favorite match ever, something of yours people should watch. What are you going to say? Um, I'd say just Nick Gage, man. He's on fire at the minute, isn't he? Like, yeah, word. Just his aura when he comes out, the crowd. Um, yeah, offhand, I'd say just watch Nick Gage at the minute. He's the hottest thing. Like, I'm so happy he got that AEW gig. Hopefully he got a nice payday from that. Hopefully yeah. he gets more paydays from that. Um, Recommendation-wise, um, 
haven't really got anything that jumps out, you know, uh, off off um, off the cuff. Um, just just watch wrestling, man. Um, but Nick Gage to me is like he's just killing it on all fronts. Like, just you just can't put into words like how cool that aura he brings. Actually, like best thing in Britain in wrestling actually at the minute is Matt Cardona and the GCW thing that really has uh, popped me on so many levels like such a smart reinvention of his character kind of reminiscent to Brian Pillman in ECW like yeah. really changed his whole persona he's working on so many levels like the casuals the smarts mm-hmm. he's working Instagram he's just on everything that's probably the, mo- the most enjoyable thing I've had as as like an adult wrestling fan in recent times. Yeah. Brilliant. Exactly. exactly. I, I've really liked it. He's turned around and like um, just jumped in with both feet, you know. It's so funny. I I had another interview this morning with the strong style psycho known as Tank, uh, and his recommendation yeah. was also Matt Cardona. He's loving it, man, and, and Tank's an old school dude, yeah. but he's like, dude, like the little details, he was talking about how he was calling him the – GCW universe and all that stuff. He was just yeah, laughing, brilliant. man. He was loving it. Eh? It's brilliant. Like I've always been a Zack Ryder fan. Like, yeah. Cause you could see like his passion and hardworking dude. You know, I listened to his, yeah, I listened to his podcasts, you know, just seems like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, he's just worked on every conceivable level yeah. without breaking, you know, that, you know, without fully breaking kayfabe, but kind of keeping it, but kind of going between the lines, working like, you know, like you said, like if Nick Gage wants to do a pane of glass, you do a pane of glass. But he still worked it clever, you know, enough that it just it's just so much fun to watch unfold and watch watch these smart fans actually be real fans and just enjoy it for what it yeah, is. Exactly. And react really like with emotion and stuff. And the whole rivalry yeah. like was so clever. I don't know at what point it like it became like real like if it just started with nick gage doing a dumb tweet like he does because that first tweet that's like i don't know zach Ryder, but i kind of feel like i want to cut him maybe maybe he should hit me up or whatever and we'll sort it out tell me what's up die slow mdk or whatever you know that kind of dumb shit that he does all the time which is super funny and then it's like nick gage wants to have a talk yeah. with zach Ryder and like all this and you you're kind of thinking the entire time that nothing's ever gonna come of it and then when he pops up, you're like, holy fuck, he's actually there. And you're like, was this all just bullshit? And then, like, Zack Ryder got involved? Or was he always involved from the start? And they were that sort of meta with how they decided to book it that they booked it that way, you know? It, either way, it's got people thinking and guessing and stuff, you know? Yeah, like, I love it. Like, um, the whole thing with the crowd throwing stuff into the ring. Oh, I love it. That's so good. That That is what wrestling should be like, like... Like I said, I, I've said it before, life's not safe. Like, yeah, you know, people say, speculate whether it was a work or shoot. Who cares? Just enjoy it, man. It's a fucking really cool aesthetic that you don't ever rarely see in wrestling these days. Like, just enjoy it for what it was. Yeah, exactly. Reminiscent of, like, the Run Ricky Run pay-per-view, which is, I don't know, like a year before. Signal. Mm-hmm. But just on, on a bigger scale. And it's good to see, like, you know, like the reinvention. You know, it's just... Uh, I can't say enough good words about that. Yeah, yeah, thing. exactly. Like that angle. Nah, it, it was great. It'd be I, interesting I, to see how it plays out. No, nah, I, I think so too. And like the fact that he actually like took the Just title like, and all that stuff was going on, it was crazy. Yeah, and uh, 
so yeah that's my recommendation now that i think about it that's a great choice man absolutely and yeah the the first time i'd seen that like when that run ricky run pay-per-view happened it was like giving me you know hogan joins the nwo vibes and then i've never seen that again until the cardona thing you know and and that's like real emotion like i don't care what people say on the details or work or those plants and stuff that's bullshit like people were actually that mad they were just like hurling garbage into the ring it was brutal and he's just like flipping off the crowd and stuff it was wicked there is speaking of that i've had we had that reaction at rise once you need to check out me versus leonardo darwin yeah um that happened at a venue in in england like years ago um and it's well worth a watch 100 percent. that was a can find that on youtube Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'll send you the link after the podcast no worries just skip to the end and see it (laughs) Uh, just gonna say that matt cardona what he's done is genius like hats off to the guy Mm -hmm. I i wish him every success in the world yeah Exactly. It's going to be interesting to see how far he takes it. Um, and, I mean, there's nothing saying he can't run with it for a while, you know. He's obviously not with WWE anymore. He's He does yeah. stuff with Impact. He's he's not signed to AEW. So, like, he, he could go on, a, go on a tear with this for a while. And uh, if you're GCW, you know, if you're Brett Lauderdale or whatever, why wouldn't you? You know, the dude's doing all the right things. He's getting photos with the belt everywhere. You know, he's always tweeting about it and talking about it. It's, he's been a great champion. And you're getting some of his fans to GCW. Like, geez, deathmatch sort of fans, independent wrestling fans will find GCW or already know about it. Yeah. But he's going to bring that demographic that wouldn't have gone there in the first place. So Yeah, and didn't even know it's it what they wanted. Yeah. Exactly. 100% agree, man. Um, I will make sure, if, yeah, if you send me that link, I'll make sure I put it in the show notes for all the people. Uh, I also okay. hate on podcasts when uh, you, you talk about something and then you don't get to see it and they're like, what were they fucking talking about again? So I'll make sure I put that in the in the notes for us to check out. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then everybody can go ahead and check out Rise More. They post like a lot of stuff to YouTube and I'm sure as the upcoming shows come out, they'll continue to do that. Yeah, hopefully they'll get on um, IWTV or Smartmark or something. I think That'd be amazing. Deprior is kind of allergic to money, so we'll see. We'll see if we can get them on some sort of streaming platform that people actually watch. You know, mm-hmm. but um, some cool shit coming out from Rise. Is there any kind of streaming that they've got at the moment, or is it just YouTube at this stage? Yeah, they've, they've got YouTube and they've got a Patreon. So uh-huh. yeah. I'm sure it's quite easy to find on Patreon, but they could be a lot easier to find if they were on IWTV or Fight or something. But I'll I'll keep pestering the promoter to get on it. Fingers crossed. Well, get you know you get on that live stream with IWTV and like everybody just tunes in every weekend. You know, there's shows going all the time, and you get that automatic yeah. promo, and you can find yourself as a you know a top five indie very quickly if you're you know, promoting and then, you know, maybe it's not as good a deal as, you know, the direct Patreon, but worldwide additional merch yeah. sales and all that kind of stuff could, I would hope would would well and truly do it as well as exposure to an entire new fan base. I feel like somebody's got to be pretty involved or invested yeah. to just do a Patreon, you know, whereas... Uh, maybe you should uh, tag the promoter in this, <laughs> in this podcast. He's never going to fucking speak thing. to me now that I've said it for ages. <laughs> Well, you can tell tell him to listen to this, and I'll make sure I tag the minute. But I'm sure he now hates me for for saying that. But uh, fucking yeah, fucking. 
get on IWTV or fight, you bastard. Stop being allergic to money. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I'm in Australia, and I, I've heard of you guys, but I can't readily watch the stuff. And, you know, you can, can see all the YouTube clips in the world, but when you can have, like, a monthly subscription to something that makes it convenient, then it's always yeah, going to shine out. Like, my most watched promotions are all the IWTV stuff because it's the easiest thing for me to watch. Like, I can get up in the morning on a Sunday and watch ICW No Holds Barred Live, you know? Well, I can then, then carry on from that, and I, I, I'm watching No Peace straight after that, you know, and it can it can chew up my day so quickly, and it, it's just convenient. I don't even pay it monthly; I just have like an annual subscription, you know. I pay 125 yeah. bucks or whatever for the year, and it's awesome, man. You know, I don't know what money you see back for uh, promoters or anything. I'm not a wrestling promoter; I have no idea, so. I don't know any of that stuff, but I do know exposure is priceless. And exactly. in any bands I've done before in doing this podcast and stuff, that's the most important thing is getting as many eyes uh, on your product as you possibly can. So please rise. Do it. We'll all watch it, man. It'll be great. We'll share yeah. it. People will be Rise. Come on. Exactly. It. We'll be doing it. We'll be gifting it on Twitter. It'll be, yeah. And everybody will be talking about the awesome work of Big Fucking Joe. How about that? Fingers crossed. Or, or the really shitty work of Big F and Joe. But as long as they're talking, it's okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it won't be shitty work. I mean, unless you've had that, we, we circle around to the start of the podcast where you're talking about drinking those beers and having that pre-workout before you do a match. Yes, the code brown. Hopefully it'll <laughs> never happen. I've never in my adult life shat myself. So fingers crossed. Same, same. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. This uh, yes. podcast has been off the rails, man, but I have had an absolutely awesome time getting to know you and drinking a few beers. It's been great. I hope you've had fun. Yeah, it's been good, man. I'm, I'm busting. Like, I'm literally, I borrow alcohol. If I drink it, I need to piss it straight out. So I am literally holding um, little effing Joe right now <laughs> well, in anticipation of going for another piss. Well, how about this? How about you tell the people where to find you on social media and let's wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, I'm on Instagram as Big Fucking Joe. Just, just find me on Insta and uh, YouTube, Big F and Joe. You'll, you'll find me. You'll figure it out. In, in He's not here to spoon feed you. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You'll find him. Plus, I'll put all the links in the show notes. So all you need to do is look down and look at that. It's, it's as easy as that. Yeah. Man, thanks for your time. Hey, it's uh, been great spending your morning with you. A Patreon. I've got a Patreon. I've You've got, got a Patreon. Patreon. That um, no one can find and no one can access the, the footage. So I can't make any money off it. So... There you go. There's a lesson there. <laughs> Rise you, promoter. I'm talking to you. Do, you can, do you even know the link so I can also put that in the show notes or no? No, I haven't really. I haven't really got a Patreon. I was just uh, mocking the the promoter in, in efforts to needle him into hustling a bit harder, into peer pressuring him we'll into IWTV uh, membership. Yeah, I've lost all my bookings now. <laughs> You're gonna, fucking cut off me. You'll never be champion again. Yeah. You've done it. You fucking no, up. but. For a shoot, they are the most renegade, punk as fuck promotion in Europe. So definitely check them out on YouTube. Rise England, I think it would come up as. So it's, check that out. Yep. And and the the Outlaw Cup is when? Yeah, the Deathmatch Outlaw Cup is next month at some point because my life is such a blur. But add Rise on um, Facebook or Instagram or add Deathmatch Outlaws on Facebook or Instagram, and you'll see all the details there. That is gonna be fire. 
Guys, make sure you check the show notes. Joe and I have had too many beers to just remember all these Instagram titles and stuff off the off the top. So we're going to wrap this up right now. Joe, thank you for your time. For Big Fucking Joe and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at Faces Feelscast, Twitter, at Faces Feelscast, and Facebook, at Faces Feelscast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent feud.